Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison. Today we have a great one. We're talking about the new hire and Josh Heupel. Uh, also, looking over the 2021 season schedule and some important steps that Heupel needs to take as new head coach. So, let's get into it. Okay, so first we got to shout out our sponsor, betonline.ag. Uh, shout them out every week. They're an amazing uh, platform to get all of your bets in. And, you know, with the Super Bowl coming up, it's here. You can get in on all that action at betonline.ag. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, first time uh, team hosting the Super Bowl. And, you know, Tom Brady looking for his seventh ring. Then you got Kansas City looking for, you know, back to back titles. And that's the you know first time in almost two decades that's happened. Uh, so Bet Online has hundreds of props on the game, including you know game MVP, margin of victory, and literally the length of the national anthem. I mean, there are so many different things you can bet on um, for this entire game. It makes it so much more fun as you're watching, and uh, you know get in on this action. So. Always available online or on your mobile device. Visit Bet Online today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Looks like we have found our guy. Hype Nation, baby. Hype Train. Are you on it? I'm excited. Very excited. This guy is so up tempo, offensive oriented. It's exactly what we needed. I mean, when you really think about it, what did we want in a head coach? What were people saying the most important things were that we, as Tennessee, needed? A head coach with experience, had to be a head coach before now, had to have a winning record, had to be offensive-minded and understand how to work with quarterbacks, because that was a travesty last year, trying to figure out the quarterback situation. And that's what we found. We found a guy who has been one of the top offensive coordinators every year for the past decade. He's got Heisman winners that he's coached at quarterback. And it's just explosive as heck. That's exactly what you wanted. I don't know why people are upset about this hire. You know, they are into this conspiracy theory that he was going to be the hire the entire time. And, uh, you know, Danny White just brought him in. And obviously he didn't do anything because he just brought in the last guy that he hired. But 
what if that was the best candidate? I mean, when you look at what he's done, his record, his offensive prowess, where the game is heading now, the SEC championship was a 52-46 to 46 game. It It's offensive-oriented. That's where we're heading. It makes sense. The hire makes sense. And I highly doubt that Danny flew around the country all over the place and you guys tracked the planes and didn't talk to anyone, didn't interview anybody, didn't ask him any questions and wonder, you know, could you be the guy for us? I think he did his job. I think he did what he was supposed to do and realized no one else out there is either the right fit or really wants this job right now. I mean, if you're Tony Elliott, offensive coordinator at Clemson, you've been there for five years, you're scoring over 40 points a game, you're killing it as an offensive coordinator, and Tennessee comes knocking at your door, has NCAA violations on the horizon, they are scheduled to play Alabama every single year, they're in the toughest conference in the country, and half of your starters are leaving. Do you really want that job? I mean, let's be realistic. Do you really want that job? I don't think you do. Why wouldn't you just wait a year? You know he's going to get other head coaching offers. I've said this before in earlier podcasts. How much easier is it to be a head coach in the Big Ten or the Pac-12 I would say a lot. Coaches go seven and six in every year and have jobs for, you know, two decades. As long as they sprinkle in a 10 win season here and there. So, why that would be the perfect first head coaching job for a guy like that. You don't have to play Clemson, you don't have to play Alabama until the playoffs. Really, a cupcake schedule, especially if you're playing in the Pac 12. And you're going to be judged for being a very good coach who's winning a lot. I I, Wait it out. I mean, we are the ones that don't have the right cards. We're, We're trying to bluff here to all these coaches and say that, oh, yeah, 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 we got a full house over here. We're putting all our chips in. They're calling our bluff, man. They know we don't. They understand where we're at. They saw the past 12 years and what's happened to this program. And for people to say, well, why don't you just shell out the money? Just just throw the money at them and we can get whoever we want. Because you're going to have to spend money on buyouts and stuff like that. Throw out the money. People, you really wanted to pay $10 million to James Franklin for him to come here? Texas did that with Tom Herman. How'd that work out? Hmm? Not very well. He failed at his job. He didn't do what he was expected to do, and they fired him. He was the 11th highest paid coach in the nation. Gus Malzahn was number seven, by the way, and both of those guys were fired. It doesn't matter how much money you're throwing at a guy. He has to be the right fit. And I don't think James Franklin would pass the character and integrity test 
that Danny White put forward. I mean, if we look back on it, when he was at Vanderbilt, there was a huge scandal where multiple football players raped a woman on campus. And he was the head coach. And it didn't come out right away. So this guy was trying to cover that up. I mean, is that a high character or integrity guy? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay? So I'm on the hype train. I'm with him. You know, people talk about, well, he got fired by Stoops at Oklahoma. Yeah, he did get fired. You know what his offense was ranked? 23rd in the nation. He got fired. You know what ours was last year? 102nd. (laughs) One of his worst, quote-unquote, years of offense, in which he got fired from the team, he was 23rd. He is better in every way than the last coach we had. I mean, if you put it down on paper. He's had one loss over the last three years at UCF by more than 10 points. Jeremy Pruitt had 16. You don't think that's an improvement? I think it's a huge improvement. I think it's amazing. I love it. I love that he's here. I think offense is going to be fun. And you know, when I was at UT, I had to transition from the pro style, the huddle, and get into the spread. And... It was tough. It was definitely tough because when I was in the pro style, I was 330 pounds. I was a pulling guard running power and counter. I had to get down to 300, 305, lose some weight so I could run around, get up to the ball, go fast. But it was fun, man. So much fun in that offense. And I believe every offensive player is going to have a great time. I can't I can't wait to to watch them. It's going to be fun to watch these games. It really will be fun. It'll remind me of 2015, you know, my last year. It was fun out there. And I think that's one of the more important things. I, I, I think if you're having fun while you're playing, if you're playing with swag, if your, you know, confidence is through the roof, that's when you're going to play the best. That's when you're going to compete the best. That's when you're going to win more games. I mean, we almost beat Alabama my last year, and it was all because we believed we could. A lot of teams go into playing Alabama or, you know, maybe Clemson nowadays, and they don't think they can win. Before they even before the game starts, they don't think they can win. So they won't because they don't believe they can. If you have confidence, if you know hey, our offense is out of this world. We're going to put up 40 points. That gives you a lot of confidence heading into games. That makes you think you're going to win, which is huge. So now it's just really about recruiting the right guys. And, you know, I mean, Tennessee hasn't necessarily struggled with that. And we want to say that we haven't locked down the state. And we've lost some guys that, you know, high school four-stars and five-stars that are in-state go somewhere else. But has it really been the talent level 
isn't good enough or has it been the development of the talent isn't good enough? I think it's the development. I think we can get guys to come here better than UCF could or any of the AAC teams. I mean, they're just full of three stars. Don't get me wrong. I like three stars. I I was one. But we can get four and five stars easily just because we're an SEC team, because we are Tennessee. So let's get those guys and let's develop them. I mean, I really do think that Hypo can do that. I think, you know, the biggest hires that he needs are defensive coordinator because he's so offensive-minded, he needs a guy who's almost a head coach that can really take over that defense, that can uh, really adjust based off of Heupel's offense because it's going to be so fast, so up-tempo. They're going to score so fast that the defense is going to have to play a lot of minutes and be very well-conditioned, which leads into the next biggest coach, which honestly, this is probably the be- the biggest coach that he needs to get, the most important is the strength and conditioning coach. And people don't realize this, but that guy is going to set up how the offense and defense will look because he has to get every single person on that team in the best shape of their lives. You have to be in tremendous shape to run this up-tempo offense to be able to work with speed against that defense. You have to be in tremendous shape as a defensive player if your offense is this up-tempo, you have to be able to continue to go and go and go and go throughout a game. So the strength and conditioning coach is the biggest hire he has to make. It is the most important. And you spend more time with your strength and conditioning coach than anyone else. Anyone else. Not your position coach, not offensive coordinator, not head coach. You spend the most time with your strength and conditioning coach and the staff underneath because it's grind. It's a grind, baby. I mean, the two most difficult parts about being a college athlete, it's not the going to class, it's not the trying to, you know, get a good schedule going. It's not the season. It's not you know, dealing with the media. It is winter workouts and August training camp. Those are the two toughest times in college, those winter workouts kick your ass. Kick your ass. I cannot tell you how many times I had a pit in my stomach going into conditioning during those winter workouts. Oh my gosh. You are on the cusp of falling out, of dying. And that's what makes you stronger. That is what connects you with your teammates even more. You have shared adversity. You go through the worst possible stuff you could. You are in the lowest point that you could be, but you're together. You feel the worst you've ever felt. Guys are puking off to the side. You can't catch your breath. You feel like you have no air in your lungs, but the guy next to you feels the same way. He's with you in it. He's with you in that foxhole. That's how you get connected as a team is being right next to the guy as you guys are both struggling. You're both pushing as hard as you possibly can to get through what you're about to have to do. 
And it, I mean, it fires me up just thinking about it. You feel absolutely horrible, but it is the most important thing that, that could happen. In sidebar training camp, I want to tell you something. Training camp in August l- lets you know if you want to play football. Every single guy who's been on a college football team in his first training camp as a freshman, that first week, you doubt whether this is for you. You think, I don't know if I should be here, man. (laughs) Is this really what I want to do? Because it's nothing like you ever went through in, in high school. It's nothing like you've ever done before. And you really had to reflect and say, I, I don't know if I'm made for this and fight through those doubts. That's the, it happens to everyone. Go ask any former college football player their freshman year, that first week. I mean, mine's like day two or three where I'm dead tired. I've spent 10 hours that day being in the facility, watching film, going to practice, everything, meetings. And I sit down in bed and think, holy crap, I I have a whole month of this. This is day three. We're doing this for four weeks. I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I can do this. But you fall asleep, and that horn goes off at 6 a.m. the next day. You get up and go after it again. And eventually it gets easier. Eventually you start to realize what it's all about and why you do the things that you do during training camp and how you connect with your other teammates. I just don't see how I could ever leave my teammates high and dry especially with the connection I have with them. I'm closer to my teammates than I am the coaches. The coaches are not the reason why I, I played Tennessee football. I didn't go out there and give my all and fight my butt off on the field because of the coaches. I did it because of the guys next to me, because of all nation, because I love the sport. If you're literally going out there for the coaches, you got it all wrong. That shouldn't be your why. Why do you put forth the effort? It should not be because of a coach. So if you're transferring because the coach that recruited you is leaving, it doesn't make any sense to me. Are you not connected to the guys on the team? I mean, Brent Samaglia, you've been there four years, bud. Finish it. Finish it out. Have you not made a single connection with anyone? Do you honestly think you're not going to get a chance to kick? This is a high-powered offense. You got nine field goal attempts last year. You know how many UCF had? 17. So already, you're probably going to double your field goal attempts. What is your goal? Is your goal to play in the NFL? If it is, why would you transfer? 
You can play here. You can do the pro day here. Who knows? Might go to the senior bowl, get some looks. Not a lot of kickers get drafted, but you never know. And try and be in the NFL. It doesn't make any sense to me to, to leave your last year just because some of the coaches that recruited you aren't here. Your position coach isn't here. Yeah, but your holder is. Your long snapper is. The offensive linemen who blocked for you on field goal are. All those guys you ran wind sprints with are. What about them? Why would you not want to stay with them for one more year? Finish it out. And other guys like Cody Brown, who puts out hashtag free me on Twitter, why do you want to leave? I understand that the coach that recruited you isn't there anymore, but our offense was absolutely horrible last year, 102nd, okay? So now you're getting a new coach that's offensive-minded and is going to be more explosive, which makes you look better, which makes your chances of getting to the NFL higher. So it doesn't really make any sense. And if you're saying, well, he's more of a quarterback coach, so we'll pass the ball more. So Cody Brown won't get as much rushing attempts, right? He won't get the shine like, you know, maybe the wide receivers will. Well, over Heupel's 10 years of being an offensive coordinator slash head coach, average yards per game in rushing is 207 and averages 2.2 rushing touchdowns a game. Is that pretty good? I think so. Because if you look back over the last three seasons, the average was 138 yards and 1.1 touchdowns per game rushing. Quite an improvement, if I do say so myself. Why would you not want to take advantage of that as Cody Brown coming in? That, that looks like a great opportunity for you. That looks like the best possible thing that could happen is you get an upgrade in your coaching staff. Guys can't choose places off coaches, man. You can't do it. Inky Johnson went on the radio with Ramon Foster, two VFLs, great, great players, amazing people, and true volunteers. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to Inky Johnson speak, it needs to be on your bucket list. That man is the best speaker I've ever witnessed. I got a chance to see him multiple times while I was at Tennessee. And you'll want to run through a wall after you listen to him. There is no one better. And every single place that he has gone to has praised him like crazy, and it's it's awesome. He went on the radio with Ramon Foster and said, I don't want hostages. I want volunteers. Powerful when you think about it. If you really feel like a hostage at the University of Tennessee because a different coach came in, Okay, leave because you're soft. 
soft as baby poop. What? You feel like a hostage? You feel like you can't can't breathe? That you got to be freed? That you're being controlled because you got a different coach? Bro, get over yourself. That's the softest crap I've ever seen. I've ever heard. Are you kidding me? I had three position coaches, three offensive coordinators, and two head coaches. You know what I did? I worked my ass off. I said it last week. I was a three-star. I wasn't seen as athletic as some of these other guys. I'm 6'4 on the dot. Most tackles in the SEC and you know big schools like Clemson are 6'6. Pushing 6'7. I don't have that long of arms. But I work my ass off so that I could be all SEC my senior year. So that... I could win SEC Office Alignment of the Week twice. You think that was done because I'm just naturally that good? Just naturally that gifted? Not saying you, you, you know, I don't have any athletic ability. You got to be somewhat athletic to make it as far as I did. Do you think that happened because of the coaches that were there? No. Do you think anyone's success in college is just because of the coaches? You think Trevor Lawrence was that good in college because of the coaches? Just because of the coaches. That's the only reason. You're out of your mind. You think Derrick Henry was a Heisman winner, rushed for over 2,000 yards in college because of his running back coach? No. Did it because he's a beast. He's the only human ever to rush for 2,000 yards in high school, college, and the NFL. He's a monster. And he worked his butt off. It has nothing to do with a coach. It's about his mentality. That's why he is successful. That's why guys in the NFL are successful. It's, if it was based off a coach, guys in the NF, NFL... Don't make it. If you if your success is based off a coach, you won't make it in the NFL because that coach isn't there anymore. You have a new coach. You might have multiple coaches while you're in the NFL. Guys get fired and hired all the time. You might get traded to different teams. And if you cannot put up with getting a new coach, if you do not succeed with someone different in the room, then you're not going to make it. Go ahead and uh, pack your bags. Go home. If your dream is to be in the NFL, you have to be tougher than having a coach leave and you fall apart. You have to be self-motivated. You have to want it more than anything. All right, we're going to jump into the 2021 schedule. But before that, a quick ad. But I di- Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. It's different for you. It's different for me. One thing is certain. Every day, there's an opportunity to win. Just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. The new lucky number scratcher from the Virginia Lottery. 32 chances to win $500,000 plus four bonus games. 
Stop by your closest retailer and check it out. For odds and more information, visit VALottery.com. Digress. I feel like I'm so exacerbated when I'm talking very high pitch throughout the entire podcast, but sometimes it's just the way I feel. You know, I want to be real with you guys. All right, so let's get into the schedule for the 2021 season. Uh, some possible predictions on, you know, what our record might be for this year. So we'll start with the first game, Bowling Green. I mean, a win, obviously. Uh, and, you know, some people might say, well, it's not obvious. We lost to, uh, who was it, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, whoever, a couple of years ago, but. Completely different players, completely different team, completely different coaches. So that doesn't really matter in this instance. Um, yeah, I think it's a good game to start with. I think there'll be, you know, penalties like there always is with the with the first game and some mistakes. Um, but it'll be exciting to watch. I think the up-tempo offense is really going to show out here. You know, 40, 50 points possibly. And we're going to be able to see exactly what Hypel has brought to the table, exactly what he can do. Um, but at the same time, if he's smart, he might not show his whole bag of tricks. Uh, you know, you you actually have a decent opponent the next week in Pitt, and you don't want to give away everything. I remember when we played uh, Oklahoma my senior year, their defense lined up in a completely different defense the first game because they knew – that they could beat those teams no matter what. And they ran a four-down front, 4-3 four defense versus those two, I think it was two teams. They beat them both and came to us and ran a bear, ran a 3-4. <laughs> so, you know, they wanted to keep us on our toes and, and didn't want to give us any film on what they would do to us. So, I mean, I can see Hypel doing that, keeping it simple and uh, not necessarily showing his full hand that first game. So then we go into Pitt the next week. And here's the first true test for Heupel. Uh Here's a team, you know, went 6-5 and five last year. They're decent. They're not great. They're not bad. Um, they can beat some middle-of-the-pack teams in the a- ACC. So this is an actual game. This isn't just like a cupcake, you know, sleepwalk through it. Um, this is one that's huge because the next week, obviously, I think you can beat Tennessee Tech. And to go 3-0 heading into Florida is huge. Uh, it helps so much with confidence and believing that, you know, you're a good team and you're a good player and you're going to be able to beat anybody that you face. Uh, it can really help us in that Florida game. And, I, I mean, you kind of saw what Florida is going to be in their bowl game. I mean, they were decimated by guys, you know, leaving early, opting out, and it showed. I mean, it was it was a embarrassing performance for sure. Um, and they got a lot of a lot of guys to replace. I mean, you know, top ten recruiting class, and you know they'll probably grab some guys from the transfer portal. But there's still a lot of new starters. I mean, they could be losing three guys in the offensive line. Um, you know they're very young at deep at safety, and they got a new quarterback and new top wide receivers. So you know their best guys from last, their best pass catchers from last year are gone. 
quarterback that was in the Heisen race gone. Um, and I don't know if Emory uh, Jones is going to be the same quarterback as Kyle Trask. They might have to change up their offensive scheme a little bit for him. Um, not sure he's as pure of a passer as uh, Trask was. So that's up in the air, but it's going to be tough to win that game first year for, for Heupel. That's, that's for sure. Uh, then we got Missouri uh, at Missouri. Back-to-back away games is really tough, uh, but I do like playing Missouri earlier in the year. Um, boy, does it get freaking cold up there. I hated how cold it was at those games. And uh, this one, you know, they found their offense towards the end of the year. I called it, you know, when we played them uh, earlier in 2020 that, you know, they were Bezalak was their quarterback and they just hadn't figured it out yet. They got a good offense now. That's going to be our strength. And this could be a shootout. I mean, on that turf, you feel fast, very fast up in Missouri. feel like you can move, glide on that thing. So offensive battle for sure. And, uh, I mean, we we can win this game. This isn't one that's a definite loss. Um, it's a very winnable game. I just think we gotta we gotta perform. We gotta we gotta outplay them on offense. We have to get some you know turnovers on defense and some some pressures on on Bezalak and get him uncomfortable. Uh, he's gonna be the biggest factor in the game of them. You know scoring a lot of points. So if our defense can get pressure uh, and get after him with four, I mean that has to always be the biggest thing is getting after the quarterback with four because. Blitzing can work, but you know you're leaving yourself very vulnerable in the back end, and I think that happened a lot this year of just trying to blitz and run man coverage, and our DBs just weren't fit for that. You know they they weren't good enough in man coverage to do it, so you got to to change it up some. Um, then we go into South Carolina, coming back home, home game, um, and I think we win this. I think South Carolina. You know, I haven't looked into it, but, I, I mean, they lost their coach, too, this year. And I can imagine a lot of guys wanting to transfer, wanting to get out of there. Um, and, you know, we're struggling right now, obviously, in civil sanctions, trying to get people to come back. And I, I think they're probably going through the same thing. And, you know, once we get into it, I, I just, you know, even with the guys that we still have, I think we have more talent than they do and uh, take advantage of that. So I predict this as a win. Uh, you know, we'll see how I'm feeling once we, you know, get to that week. Uh, but I, I definitely see a win in this game. Um, and then we have Ole Miss. This is a very interesting game because a lot of people wanted Lane Kiffin to be our next coach. And Lane Kiffin said that he was open for it. Um, I think he is going to want to show something. Uh, when he comes to Neyland, um show what kind of team he has. This might be the most high-scoring game in SEC history. I mean, with both of these guys, offensive-minded, literally could care less about defense, it, it's going to be crazy. Very entertaining game. Could be a classic. And between two teams that are middle of the pack in you know their divisions east and west and they're going to duke it out i can't wait for this game this is probably going to be the most entertaining game of the year 
and it's definitely a toss-up uh, whether we win or lose. Hopefully we win because going into Alabama, it would be very tough to even have a fighting chance if we lose Ole Miss. Um, Alabama is such a great team. They're always good year after year, always have amazing talent, and if you don't have the confidence and the cojones to go in and think you're going to win versus Bama, then you're not you're not going to win. So, but most likely that's going to be a loss this year. And then we have a bye week, which is great. Uh, heading into Kentucky, you know, with that bye week, heal up some guys. Uh, you know, it's right in the middle of the season, which is awesome. Uh, be able to, you know, understand where we're sitting, understand where we're at, understand the things we need to work on, and you get two weeks to prepare for Kentucky. So I, I think the Kentucky game is a win. You know, with two weeks, it's it's really uh, about how you prepare, and it really gives you a huge advantage going into the game. I just feel like no one should lose a game after a bye week, honestly, um, because everything's set up in your favor. So... You know, I, I think the Kentucky game's a win at Kentucky. Uh, I think we go into Georgia, and I don't know. I mean, at that point, I don't know who Georgia's going to have played. I don't know if they're still going to be in the hunt for uh, the SEC championship because if they're not, I mean, we could possibly take advantage of that, uh, be able to have success versus them uh, and, you know, with them feeling like they don't really have a chance at the uh, championship, which is great. Uh, you know, have their morale a little lower. Uh, and they're the same thing as Florida. I mean, you saw what their backups were able to do versus Cincinnati, and they just didn't look great. They they really didn't out there during the bowl game, and it, it just kind of shows like, oh, this is, this is where they're headed. And, I, you know, I don't know – I think Kirby Smart's a good coach, but I, I, you know, I don't know if he's great. I don't know if, you know, Mark Rick's talent is what held him up for that long, um, and what got them successful. But, you know, I mean, they have like the number one graded team based off of, uh, you know, recruits. So they should have been a lot more successful last year, and they weren't. Um, and I mean, honestly, we could have beat them last year if it wasn't for. JG and his turnovers in the second half. I mean, our defense is playing great. and um, You know, when you turn the ball over and give it to him past the 50 over and over, it's very hard for a defense to, uh, to stop him. So, you know, we always play this game close, and I think there's a chance. I'm not going to say it's a great chance, but there's a chance. Uh, then we got South Alabama – and Vanderbilt to finish the season, two wins in my eyes. Vanderbilt doesn't have the right leadership, the right people in place to ever be able to really compete. I mean, James Franklin got him as close as he possibly could to being a good team, but um, they're not there anymore. They're they're back to being Vanderbilt and uh, South Alabama. You know, South Alabama. I'm not going to do a lot of research on South Alabama. Uh, we'll see what their record is at that point. I highly doubt they're going to have, you know, more than four wins. So, great, 
way to end the season, great way to begin the season uh, with good wins. Overall, I think we win Tennessee Tech, Bowling Green, South Alabama, Vanderbilt. That's four wins right off the bat. I think we win versus Pitt. I think that's five. And I think we can beat South Carolina and Kentucky and possibly get to seven. Um, South Carolina is going through the same stuff we are. Same kind of turnover, all that kind of thing, you know. And Kentucky is going to be after the bye week. We're going to be able to self-evaluate where we're at and uh, understand us better. So I think, you know, the losses are going to come. Florida, uh, possibly Missouri, they're on the rise. Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia. But the other games we could definitely win. And if we do, that's seven, uh, which would be incredible uh, for a first-year head coach. And, you know, if we, you know, we lose a Kentucky game, maybe the Ole Miss game, uh, or, I mean, the uh, South Carolina game. But, you know, we win Bowling Green, Pitt, Tennessee Tech, South Alabama, Vanderbilt, and have five wins on the season. I mean, that's that's pretty good for a first year coach, especially with everything that's going on. Um, and... You know, five and five and six, five and seven. That's uh, that's not bad. That's really not bad for first year. Uh, but you know, a few of those games can swing in our favor, and you know, we could get up to the six or seven, seven wins. Um, but I think we have four definites on our schedule, so that's good. Back to normal, not a full SEC schedule, and you know, only winning the three games this year. So got a few cupcakes and think we could at least get to four and then just try and stack some more on. You know, I I always try and be positive as much as possible with this stuff. So uh, I'm excited for this season to start. I can't wait. I can't wait to see this offense. Um, can't wait for Tennessee football to be back, man, T- to want to watch the games, to look forward to it and believe that we're going to be where we need to be. And I know Vol Nation is feeling the same way. I know all the VFLs are feeling the same way. And it's it's a wait-and-see kind of thing. Because, I mean, we have been screwed in the past uh, with just underperforming and, and uh, really bad seasons. And, you know, we're due. We're due for one. We're due for happiness. As Tennessee fans. So I'm going to try and stay positive. I'm going to try and be excited. And I really look forward to the season of breaking down the game and the offense and, and being able to talk more about it. So I appreciate you guys coming out. appreciate you listening. Uh, please rate and subscribe anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, share with your friends and family. Let them know I'm doing this. Going to have some more guests on. Uh some VFL, so I'm super excited about that. And uh, you can follow me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's all at Kyler Kerbison. Um, my wife told me the other day that uh, I'm actually getting funnier after uh, being with her for 12 years now on Twitter. So I guess that's looking up for me. So you can follow me on that. And uh, you can call me. Uh, I got a number you know, a side number, you can call me with your questions uh, or text. Um, 
The number is 865-322-9232. So please reach out. Um, Let me know if you want me to answer anything or go over anything. And uh, as always, go Vols! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.